do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 544. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about our feelings about our feelings. That's, uh, I don't get that. We can call them uh, meta-emotions. Mm, still lost. I know, but you'll like it. Feeling, I'm writing this down because I don't want to forget. Feelings, feelings about our feelings. About our feelings. And then meta, which is a really fancy word that I don't understand. It's kind of, uh, feelings about our feelings is, it's kind of like the, the, how would I describe it? Like, um... Not easy. I, well, I know. I'm trying to say because it is a it's a definition in itself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like where you're getting deep about something you're getting deep about. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that's what it means. Um, and before I'm sure you have a lot to share. Yes. But when I just heard you say that, because I had no idea what we were talking about today until you just said it to me just now. Feelings about our feelings, the only the first thing that leapt to me was um, I have in the past sometimes felt bad about feeling bad. Correct. That's so exactly for what example, it is. COVID-19, I'm, there's a part of my life that I'm enjoying as a result of that. Right. So I'm actually feeling bad about feeling good. Right. Oh, I think you're not alone. Right. I think that a lot, and then I think people who are feeling really bad feel bad that they're feeling really bad. Well, I that's think the other times. And that's when I get into, not a depression, but sometimes I'm just in a bad mood and then I've I'm mad at myself because I'm in a bad mood. That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. All right. And um, we are going to, I'm, I'm going to use as like the base of it, this podcast um, that I think, I think it's the most subscribed podcast right now, subscribe to podcast, which is Brene Brown's podcast um, called Unlocking Us. She talks to- That's guy, the name of her podcast. Correct. Not this episode. Correct. Thank you. Yeah. Her podcast is called Unlocking Us. So- um, she talked with a guy named Dr. Mark Brackett. Uh, he wrote a book called Permission to Feel, which I'm in the process of reading. Um, I'm I'm not done reading because I'm reading three different things because I got a Kindle. Mm-hmm. Finally. And Kindles allow you to just move around. Yeah. I mean, before I had the book stacked next to my bed, and it was like hard to pick one up and to put the other down. But a Kindle, you just push a button. Now you could have literally... Hundreds of books. Well, and we kind of do because yeah. we are, you, Cameron, and I are connected to the same library. Correct. So there's a ridiculous amount and sometimes I'm... I'm Overwhelmed? Overwhelmed. Uh-huh. But I am, re- I, I have it and, um, and you know, I'm getting there. But my point is, is that what I'm going to talk about today is what he, k- kind of what got my interest going uh, regarding his work during this podcast, which was during Brene Brown's podcast. I'm sorry, speaking too generally. And he was talking about, he talked about a lot of things um, in regards to emotions and our ability to be emotionally aware and to self-regulate. And this is obviously a topic that Todd and I talk about all the time on Zen Parenting. Even though we say this podcast is about self-awareness and mindfulness, the goal of self-awareness and mindfulness is self-regulation, right? Because sure. that's really the what we're trying to do. You can't be self-regulated unless you have self-awareness. And mindfulness. And mindfulness. Because it, it requires both. Sure. Um, and so... What's the difference between self-awareness and mindfulness? 
Well, mindfulness is the ability to be present mm-hmm. in the moment that's happening right now, rather than what did this mean yesterday? What would this mean yesterday? And what will this mean tomorrow? Yeah. So you're just dealing with what's happening right now. And then self-awareness is recognizing the way you're feeling, the way you're reacting and how you are like in, interacting with your so own So mindfulness for in, you know, the, these definitions kind of go in and out and overlaps. But for you, what I just heard you say is mindfulness is actually being present of what's going on around you, outside of you, and maybe inside of you, but where self-awareness is more of an inward journey. Well, and and I would say that mindfulness is just recognizing where you are, Got it. like in time and space to okay. me, right. like my, my mindfulness practices, oh, I'm here now, there's a bird. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, here I am because yeah. lack of mindfulness makes us too focused on what happened yesterday mm-hmm. and makes us too afraid of what could happen tomorrow. Got so it. mindfulness is just right now Presence. where self-awareness is that's part of it, mm-hmm. but self-awareness is also what's going on inside of me yeah. in this moment. Got it, got it. Do you see what I mean? Sure. So to self-regulate, mm-hmm. you need to have access to both of those sure. things. And um, he, so I'm, I'm going to start and tell a story he told because I think this is the most important thing for parents to know. So you ready for this story? Yeah. So he tells a story about, he, he unfortunately was uh, sexually abused from the time he was five to 10, mm-hmm. this Dr. Mark Brackett. And he um, really didn't talk about it, didn't feel that he had the opportunity to. And it sounds like he was also threatened by his abuser, mm. that he would, he as a child, didn't feel like he had, you know, the ability to talk to anybody. Well, it turns out that he had an uncle, and his name is Uncle Marvin, um, and that his uncle happened to be doing a research project around the time he was 10. And somehow he started talking to him about feelings. Mm. Because he was a, I guess, a therapist himself. Or a Uncle Marvin is talking to young doc, young young, young Mark. Mark Frackett. Yeah, <clears throat> and Mark through he he doesn't get really specific to how it all came out, but he he eventually started talking to him about everything and his feelings and what was happening to him, and he said, including the abuse. Correct. Okay, and he said that that Uncle Marvin was able to listen, ask questions. He didn't get overly anxious about it. He didn't get angry. And he kind of... He didn't jump into the story. He didn't jump into the story. He stayed out of the story and held space for the story. Mm-hmm. And what Mark says is he, he he's not blaming his parents. He's just saying, my dad, he got mad. My mom, she got upset and overwhelmed. And here was Uncle Marvin saying, well, you know, tell me about that. And, you know, basically being able to be a container for everything that was being said, right? And not necessarily holding it or solving it, but just being a calm presence. And And this is what you and I talk about all the time, is that there's this belief system that we have that if we just say certain things or do what a teacher or a book tells us to do, then we're going to have a certain outcome. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's really not about what we're saying and doing. It's about how our energy is being felt and about what's going on inside of us. Yes. And also an outward reaction yeah. or non-reaction. And why I say this is because I'm, I'm going to go really deep and then I'll kind of bring it back to, um, you know, the baseline here is that one thing that that we need to understand is that our awareness about um, 
our emotions. Like a lot of us want to learn, like some people listening to this show or reading books, they're like, I want to learn more about self-regulation, but they're not starting from a neutral place. What do you mean? They've learned coping mechanisms that have taken them into the negative. Things like, I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to pretend I'm not having feelings. I'm going to have a bunch of feelings, but call all of them anger. I'm going to blame other people for my feelings. So when they're learning something new Mm -hmm. about self-regulation, they're not learning it from a brand new neutral place. They have all of these old coping mechanisms that they have to deal with first. You know what this reminds me of? What? Um, A bike path. Like, let's say you're riding a bike whatever in the forest it's not like a concrete path but you know you're on a trail uh-huh. and your patterns are the trail that it's so easy to go down uh-huh. and it's really hard to get out of it because of you the, mean like the grooves and the, the grooves yeah. so we have these grooves built up in us because we've come up with all these coping mechanisms for so long which is why it's so hard to practice these new new things. things. And so what we'll say, like play this game with me. I hope everybody can hear this. So say our defensive pattern has always been passive aggressive or I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care. So we're using that and I, I'm you guys can't see my hands, but there's like a neutral place where we move forward and then there's a place where we move backward. Mm-hmm. So we're using this passive aggressive like I don't care. And then from that place we're trying to support our kids. Yes. And we're saying, well I'm saying the things you told me to say Mm. and I'm doing the things you told me to do and it's not working and it's because you're not it's not about you're all you know you're there's something inherently wrong with you but you still haven't dealt with the things that keep you from being in a neutral place to be able because this is what you know I talk to my clients people on team zen you know our virtual communities, women's circle about like, you have to be, this is the whole self-awareness piece. I feel like we pound this thing to death. Mm -hmm. We like talk about this over and over, but if you are feeling like if, if you inside really think you're being that, that it's everybody else's fault and that people should be noticing you more and that you don't matter, then the way you speak and comment on things, that's, what's going to be felt. Sure. And so my point is, is now there's all sorts of good news in here. If the self-awareness piece and the mindfulness piece and self-regulation, we use that to get out of that negative space Mm -hmm. and get into a space where we can be more like an Uncle Marvin, where we can actually hear our kids from a more neutral place. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have any emotional response, because um, self-regulation doesn't mean you don't have emotions. Right. You don't get angry. You don't get sad. You don't get afraid. You have those, you but feel you that. check it. You you notice it and you understand it. Mm-hmm. You're like, ooh, my kid is saying something kind of that's scaring me. Okay, that scared me. Okay, but you're staying neutral and you're not going into those old patterns of I'm going to retreat. I'm going to blame. I'm going to tell them they need to get their act together. I'm going to go slam a door. I'm going to go. All those things that we do and we feel really righteous and justified because not only have we been practicing them for decades, Mm -hmm. they were role modeled to us. They are shown to us on TV and media. They are demonstrated in our relationships. So they keep getting to your point about the reinforced. The reinforced is just the easiest autopilot path. Right. And when we are the ability to really understand our kids, ourselves and others requires us to 
at least acknowledge those things so we can get, and I keep saying to a neutral place, why I'm saying a neutral place is from that place we can learn new skills. Yeah, you can't go from the the, the negative, for lack of a better term, to the positive without getting to neutral. Yes, yeah, so you've got to get to a place where you go, okay, kind of like, all right, mm-hmm. here's what I used to do, but I'm going to try something new. But we can't be in the, I'm going to use my old passive aggressive skills that I've learned my whole life and I'm going to talk to my kid and say all the things that this therapist told me to say or what Zen Parenting told me to say and expect a result. You got to do the inside. It's an inside job. You Absolutely. Do your, well, and just real quick, I just, just to reinforce, like let's say your kid is driving you nuts because they're on the screen or they're talking back or they're hitting or whatever. And then we try to fix it. Right. We get into discipline mode or right. whatever. Really what's happening, and this is kind of what you're saying in a roundabout way, um, you're hitting your sister is making me, me uncomfortable. really uncomfortable. And I have a story about what that means in my history, mm-hmm. because maybe I had a, a, you know, a sibling who hit me, or what that could mean for the future, or the story that I've created about what siblings should be, and you guys are wrecking that story, mm-hmm. and I've got all that in me, and that means I'm going to yell at you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell you why you're ruining this family. Because it's a problem you have to fix. Correct. Not because they're hitting each other, but because I'm uncomfortable. Because, because I'm story, scared. Right. right. Yeah. Be- all the things like... I can't tell you how many times in the last like couple of weeks, especially, you know, being in sheltering in place and, you know, talking to my kids about deeper things that I have said to them, oh, that's a story you're making up mm-hmm. though. That's a story. And I'm not telling them they're dumb or that they're stupid for having the feeling. The feeling is one thing. They're like, I'm really scared. Fine. That's totally normal. But then they'll tell me why, because this person will think this and then this will this. And I'm like, oh, but that's a story you're making up. And what I'm trying to do is not tell them to not feel sad, mm-hmm. but to question the story that is either creating the sad or perpetuating the well, sad. And most everything is a story. And I don't know if this is going to make sense, but like your 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 son is hitting your daughter or whatever. The, the only true facts are what a video camera would record. The facts are... You hit your story or you hit your sister. The story is you should blah, 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 or you don't love your sister or why don't you listen to me like that's So I just want to maybe have that small differentiation is most all of our thoughts are stories. Based on our history. Yes. And because this is when, you know, when I talk to clients and they'll share, well, this needs to happen because this needs to happen, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, I'm being general. And then I'll say, tell me about that. And then they'll tell me a story like, well... I'm just worried mm-hmm. that if this doesn't happen, my child won't be happy. Or if this doesn't happen, then we'll never have a, a relationship when they're 20. And they've created a story that is creating a disconnection mm-hmm. in their relationship with their child right now, which, okay, and then I'm going to get really deep, which can create a self-fulfilling prophecy for the future. Yeah. You're basically only noticing the things that are going wrong and then disconnecting on those things. So this fear that you have about not being connected in the future is going to happen. So so then you say, okay, Kathy, well, then what do I do? There, The practice is, like, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to use Uncle Marvin, I think, just because it it's kind of a general figure for us mm-hmm. instead of, because I think we can all come up with someone that we're like, wow, I wish I had their emotional regulation or what would this person do in this situation? And I want to be that person. Maybe you had a grandparent, maybe you had a friend, maybe you had a therapist or 
who like really could hold space for you. And so you can envision that person, but I'll just say Uncle Marvin. What Uncle Marvin is able to do is he's able to hear somebody without getting too involved in the story and without going into sympathy. Because remember, sympathy, and you guys, I think, know this, but sympathy and empathy are different things. Sympathy are almost like, ooh, so sorry for you. Yeah, sympathy is sucks to be you. Sucks to be you. Empathy is feeling with the person like, wow, I I don't necessarily know your experience, but I understand that pain. I feel that pain with you. And then compassion is, you know, similar, a little different, but that we all experience mm-hmm. pain, right? If we have that understanding then we can sit when our child tells us something without getting caught up in the story of you should be doing more, you should be taking French instead of Spanish, you should be do, you know trying, you should be practicing in the backyard while we're in sheltering in place. You should be. It's a big like you're pushing them away by demanding something. So Uncle Marvin has an advantage that uh-huh. Doctor Mark Beck Brackett's parents didn't have. Correct. Is there's an entanglement there? Whereas Dr. or Uncle Marvin, like, don't you think it's easier for Uncle Marvin to create that space than than Mark's parents because there's more distance? I do, but I think that- It doesn't mean we can't do it. Right, like I do, but I think that it's a very worthy practice because we we relax too much on things. Well, I'm their parent, they're Mm. not gonna talk to me. Or I'm their parent, they're supposed to hate me. I'm their parent, they're gonna go to other people. Some of that may be true. Like I know my girls, not only do they go to other people, but I like have, I have influenced that. Meaning I've said, please, you've got all these adults that love you and care about you. If if you find that one of them is a better resource for you, go to them. Yeah. So I encourage that. But I also think that I can have an Uncle Marvin kind of a ability because, and then this gets into, you know, soul to soul stuff, my friend Annie's book, but being a parent is just a role. Yep. It, it's, if you guys can go kind of deep with me in spiritual, like they have much, they're, they're just as valuable as important our children as we are. And we are in the role of their parent, but at a soul level, we're the same. So we don't have to be like looking down on them and thinking that they came into the came into the world as a blank slate that we need to fill. They came into the world with also with personality traits and likes and loves and desires and and a goal and a purpose. And we don't know what those things are. They're going to figure that out. What we get to do is we get to support them in figuring out who they are. So we don't have to dictate their every move. That comes from fear. And so I my hope um, I fall into this camp with Dr. Mark Brackett is that I think parents can learn this. For sure. I absolutely. And I wasn't trying to like no, say that No, I like your question. So for, I, I agree with you. Do we have this capacity? Of course we right. do. And it reminds me of um, Julie Lithcott Hames. I don't know. It was a podcast I listened to. And like the, the college student or the high school student who was trying to get into college was saying, uh, can you support me in writing my paper for my college admissions? And like the story she told is the mom or the dad is like, no, this is your, this is your blah, 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 or whatever. Now pretend your niece or your nephew asks you that same question. You would say, of course I'll You'd say, of course. So I guess what I'm saying is sometimes we need to parent as if we're not their parents. We need to parent as if they're our niece and our nephew. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you said that because that's a, a reflection that I often give my clients is they'll say, 
you know, my child said this to me and they needed this and they needed this. And I'm like, what if the kid next door came to you and needed this? And they'd be like, oh, I think it was completely typical and normal. I'm like, then then take, I, I'm not saying, I don't say to them, well, then you should feel bad about feeling that way about your kid. To your point earlier, the reason we have heightened emotions with our children's experience is like you said, we are so connected to them. There are so many levels. We love them. We feel responsible for them. We are- Their well-being is in, is a uh, reflection, reflection on what type of person we are. So if our kid is going nuts at the Target or the Walmart, it makes right. us feel bad, not because our kid's going nuts, but because people are going to judge us. So I feel like there's an ego level and a soul level. Yeah. The ego level is we do worry about what other people think about us mm -hmm. regarding our children. Sure. So that's the ego level. Yeah. The soul level is the more love-based, like their well-being is connected to my well-being yes. because if they're unhappy, I feel sad because I love them so much. So it's like, and those get intermingled and they go back and sure. forth. And again, talking about meta emotions and emotions about emotions, it's okay if you have the ego-based reaction. Mm. We all do. Like there's like, we all sometimes cringe like, oh, you know, like that's embarrassing. Embarrassment is a normal feeling. So the next time we feel embarrassed, this is why kids are our teachers. Right. They are constant barometers on our ability to self-regulate, to be self-aware, and to be mindful. Like when people are like, well, my kid's not teaching me anything. Every time you get mad, All the time. your kid is teaching you something about your own inner workings of what's going on inside of your body and your brain. Correct. And and when we say self-regulate, it's not, you know, if people say to you, oh, well, don't be embarrassed. Well, that's impossible. Mm. I'm embarrassed mm. because I'm a human being walking the earth and I care about what other people think about me because we need each other to survive. I, you know, I'm diving into anthropology here, but there's reasons why we have this embarrassment, yeah. right? We don't want to be shunned from our society, right. but that's all like extreme. But when you are having that moment of embarrassment, which is totally normal, self-regulation just means not beating yourself up for feeling that way not blaming your child for making you feel that way and kind of having like, I, and this is my coping me mechanism is always humor, crying, um, breathing and not, but then when I'm done or through that feeling or that feeling has passed, I'm not like, Oh, I shouldn't have felt embarrassment. I did though. We got to love the part of ourselves right. that is, and you say embarrassed, I'd be like, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm angry. Right. Some one of the primary emotions. I think that the best path through this is to love the part of us that, that we consider ugly. Okay. So you just gave us a great segue. Okay. Okay. About Before emotions. we do the segue, can we talk about Team Zen sure, or should sure, we wait? Sure. No, no. So Kathy and I have a Zen talk today. Right. Later the, later and today. Zen talk is part of Team Zen. Yes. So it's the foundational program of what Team Zen is. So we've done, how many of these have we done? We've done 85 80. of them. Mm -hmm. So we just did one last Friday. Uh, three questions were asked and Kathy and I and the team had a wonderful discussion. One was about a college daughter and how to help her through COVID. The other was a husband who is not following the guidelines of COVID and then a six-year-old who hits. Right. So that's one example of the 85 Zen talks that we've done. Mm -hmm. Right now we're doing, uh, you can do a free month with us. It's usually 25 bucks a month, but if you put in the coupon code FRIEND, you can get it for free just to check it out. So if you're like, oh, I might want to check that out, 
we are doing this to kind of help support people in this very tricky time. So what Team Zen is, in the, the big picture, is it's a virtual community. It's people from all over the world. So it's been really interesting during this COVID time to be in touch with people from Australia and from New Zealand and from Switzerland and from Italy, plus people from all over the United States. And it's basically like-minded parents who are trying to you know, practice this self-regulation and be Uncle Marvin's and to be, you know, give back to the world. So if you feel like you don't have a community, here's one for you. And as Todd said, we have the Zen Talks. Um, right now we're having them once or twice a week. Yeah. Um, but we also have a Facebook page where people ask questions. We have on our website, we have access to things on our website that other people don't. So just, you know, if you're not, if you're like, I don't know what this is, check it out for a month. And we have about a hundred and some odd members, but only about 20% of the people get on the, the live Zen talks. talks. Most of the others listen afterwards in a private podcast app. So it's not, there's no commitment. Right. So every, every talk, every Zen talk becomes a podcast that gets downloaded to your podcast app. So even if you can't make it mm. for the live talk, you get another podcast yeah. from us. So, so go to zenparentingradio.com to check it out. All right. Okay. So the segue is that um, the emotions, because you said, uh, you know, you were talking about, are you mad? Are you whatever? And I think I I was telling you about this, and I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to this podcast, but one of the things that Brene Brown was telling Mark um, Brackett in this this podcast was that she's been doing a lot lot of research on emotional awareness over the last couple of years. And what she found is that the majority of people, can only identify three feelings, mad, glad, sad. And she calls it, I think, like something triad, like mm. the, something about these are the emotion, the emotional triad of some kind. Like they only know when they're sad, when they're pissed off, or when they're feeling okay. Okay. And that's like all they rely on. That's mm. as much data as they have about themselves. And what, what we're missing is this huge array of emotions that someone may be feeling. And I want to explain why that's important. Okay. Because I think a lot of people say, who cares what you call it? This is what it looks like. But here's why it's important. You throw in other things like embarrassment, disappointment, frustration, whatever, and you get a better indicator of why your child, I'm going to focus on parenting, why your child is reacting the way they are. Mm -hmm. For example, and this was the example that was given on the podcast and I thought it was the most powerful. Your child comes downstairs and is very disappointed because they can't see their friend Mm. during COVID, right? And they're disappointed, but they're yelling and they're saying it like this and they're saying it's not fair. And you start punishing them for anger. Mm. You're missing the fact that they're disappointed. Could, if you understood they were disappointed, you could talk to them in a way that could soothe the disappointment. Hmm. It sounds like you're really disappointed. And they may still, the behavior may still look to you like anger, but what's underneath it is disappointment. So what it sounds like you're saying, all the nuances within these primary feelings are vehicles towards more connection. And towards soothing and helping them self-regulate. Because the thing about parenting is that our ability to self-regulate and again, I'm going to say this again because this is this came up with my daughter last night when we were talking about self-regulation. It doesn't mean you stop feeling what you're feeling. It means you understand it. You don't get all over yourself about feeling that way and you process through it. And you may say, well, how long does that take? It could take a second. Mm-hmm. 
like I, I have feelings that come up and I'll be like, ooh, I'm envious. Yeah. And I'll just kind of accept that and maybe talk to Todd about it later. Um, I, I just did that the other day. Like I was envious about something and it kind of like, I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Mm. Not, I shouldn't be envious. Why am I envious? Oh my God, I'm an envious person. What's wrong with me? So the word that I would use yeah. in all this is curiosity. Correct. So when you're feeling something, instead of uh, acting on it or pushing it down, can you get curious? Like, wow, I'm really jealous right now. Or I'm really mad right now. I wonder what that's all about. Anyway, And that curiosity is about the feeling and also about what's my story with it. Because, you know, since we've been doing this podcast for about 10 years, Todd and I have really talked a lot about, talk to your kids about feelings, you know, have this magnet board on your fridge with all the different feelings, you know, have them write about their feelings. And I think sometimes it can sound like math. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I doing all this? What is this for? The reason you're learning about the different words with feelings is because we are intricate and complex human beings, and we are not just feeling mad, glad, and sad. There's so many different things going on in us, and the ability to really know the word or to access that understanding in yourself and then have another person reflect it back is how we relieve the pressure of that feeling. And I'm saying the pressure of that feeling, meaning when I told Todd, I was really envious about this thing and it was really interesting to me. He was he was very Uncle Marvin about it. And he's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, da, da. he wasn't like, well, you have all these things yeah. or blah, blah, blah. Tell he you just, why you're wrong or why like, you're right. Oh, that's interesting. And then it moved on. But what what I was able to do was speak it, be curious about myself. What is that telling me? Todd, Uncle Marvin did and didn't really have a huge reaction. He just listened. Mm. And then it's gone. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And I feel more stable because so how I did understand. It, how did it leave for you? So I created some space. Well, what I mean is that I'm not curious about it anymore. Mm. It came and went through my body just like a breeze. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it wasn't this thing. Like, we'll have something happen and we'll feel jealous or we'll feel angry. And that this is a conversation I was having with our daughter last night, her getting mad about getting mad. Mm-hmm. And again, that's meta emotion. Right. I'm mad at myself because I got mad mm. versus I got mad. And then I'll use what you just said. That's interesting. I'm curious. Why am I mad? Maybe. And if she had, if she, she has you and I and other people in her life to say, this made me mad. And instead of having somebody say, well, you shouldn't be mad or I have worse things happen to me or what's wrong with you or I don't care. Those are all the like, I'm pushing away what you're saying. But if someone says, oh, that's interesting. Well, what what did you get? You don't have to solve it. Well, what's funny is when we were on the Zen talk last week, uh, I think it's the the mom who was struggling with the son who hits Uh because he was angry. And I remember my response in the moment was, when your son's angry, great. It's so wonderful. Like, not like you want to like praise it, but the hitting is a wonderful but right, the anger. Right. And the, the fact that he was hitting is not great. You're angry. Like that's valuable. Mm-hmm. Like something needs to shift. Like some some part of you is not connecting with what you want. Like this is a wonderful awareness. Now the question is how are you going to express it? But when we get mad at our kids for expressing an emotion, we that it's teaching the wrong thing. Well, and let me be a bit of a, you know, 
an emotional detective here, sure. which I tend to be all the time, is was he feeling angry mm-hmm. or is he scared right. or is he embarrassed or is he feeling alone or is he needing attention? And I know the parent, you know, any parent would say, well, I don't know. But if you can become curious about that, you may be less afraid of their quote unquote anger mm-hmm. because you may understand why a reaction is necessary. Yeah. That a child who is used to going outside and playing and seeing their friends and going to school, um, or a teen who is used to having their friends be their family, are going to have some reactions. And it's not all anger yeah. in the most... They may be demonstrating what you perceive as angry behavior, but there's a million different feelings under there. And the their ability to understand that helps them understand that in the, the intricateness of their own self. Mm-hmm. So they're less shameful about I should be happy instead of mad because there's a million other different feelings in there. Yeah, and I think what you want to do is um if you're able to identify what the feeling is, whether it's disappointment or anger or whatever, and then figure out a, a creative way with curiosities, how do we express this sadness or this fear or this anger? And it could be like what I think what I said to ladies let them punch a pillow. Like that's such a wonderful expression to get it out of our system. Don't you think? For some, it's a bit of a controversial take. Really? Yeah. I mean, some therapists think that you're perpetuating violence. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that's, I think for some, here's my, I, you guys know this. I live in a gray place, meaning Mm. there's some parents who's like, that's exactly what my child needed to do. And I'm not going to say no, the Mm. research says like every individual knows what's best, but there's also feeling anger and not punching anything. Do you True. see what I mean? But how do you um, how do you move this through your body? What if- it, I, you know what I get a visual of? Hmm. You're gonna like laugh at this because it's ridiculous, but it's always what I see in my mind. You know, at the end of The Shining, when when um, Jack Nicholson is like totally taken over, yeah, and he's like walking down this high this hallway, and he's like. Ugh! Do you yeah. remember that scene? I don't, I don't remember It's this. such a well-acted, like, random scene because he's, like, having these, like, outbursts of, wor- right. of, like, language. And, and again, I'm not saying our children are overtaken right. by, you know, the hotel. I'm just saying that we don't have to hit. We can move. Well, we can You can run. go for a walk. Thank you. Could you. Do, I mean, I, I said hit, punch a pillow just because that's what I'm used to telling boys cry. because they like right. to do it or cry. There's a million different ways to express. So I, I'm not trying to give people ideas on how to do it, but get curious on like, how do we move this through our body? And, you know, I always think about like Todd and I love Parks and Rec and Ron Swanson is such a great character. And one of the things he does whenever he's at his house, um, at his cabin is he has an ax and he chops wood Mm -hmm. and he talks about how like chopping wood is so important to human beings because that act of like the energy of like, and again, don't go get your kids an ax. That's not what I'm saying. But so I am validating your point, Todd, that we do need to move, but can we, you know, maybe instead of an axe or instead of hitting, it's like, could it be a creative endeavor? Could right. it be throwing? It could, could be it a be... million different things. And, and so we'll say, yeah, but my kid won't do that. Have you even discussed it right. in an Uncle Marvin-y way? Not in a passive aggressive, I'm just going to throw this at the wall, but like a, a, and again, they may not. And you may need to remain curious and find another way. Mm -hmm. Like one thing I do not um, adhere to is this is the way you do it and then things will turn out. You 
parenting is a creative endeavor with human beings every single one of them being complex. Right. So what you use, like two two or three people on Team Zen have twins, and we've talked about a lot how one twin is this way, one twin is the other way, and that they're, they like marinated in the same place at the same time, and they have the same DNA, basically, or, you know, and they're different. So you can understand why there is no, this is the only way, but what I do know is essential not just with children, but with you and I Mm -hmm. in a partnership, with people at work, with people in our community, is a curiosity about them and a curiosity about how we are responding to them and why. Like, can I just comment on something very real? Are are you going to play something? I was going to play a Parks and Rec thing, but before I I may or may not do that, but... um, Everything you're saying is true, but I could just see, I could see even myself, I should just own it. Yeah, please. I could see myself trying to put these ideas that you slash we are coming up with into uh, teaching our daughters to do that. Okay. And unless we are doing what it is that we want them to do, it's going to fall flat. I'm not saying that it's, it's a waste of your energy to try to teach your son or your daughter to get these sad, sad sads out or these angries out or even joy. Joy needs to be celebrated and, and emoted or fear. But unless you're doing it too, it's probably not going to be as impactful. Not only that, but there's a, there's a, what's the word where things are like, there's like a misalignment. No, no. Um, you know, when you start riding a bike or you start playing piano and you're like making a ton of mistakes mm-hmm. and you're falling off mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound good initially yeah. and you're you're riding your bike and your legs are weird mm-hmm. and you keep losing your footing. Sure. That's how this is initially. This is messy. It's messy and it doesn't look, it feels uncomfortable. You feel dumb. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, oh my God, I, I just said something feel, about emotion. You feel like a poser. You feel like a poser. Yeah. And then- the more you practice it in yourself, like, you know, you you practice what you're trying to teach in yourself, you know, practicing self-regulation, reading things, you know, listening to things that kind of inspire this in you, and then sharing it, not imposing it, not demanding it, but sharing it with your kids and holding the space for their feelings, it starts to become like a more normal bike ride. What about this? Johnny is hitting Susie. You sit Johnny down and just own the pack. When I saw you doing that, I I got a little afraid. Like you can can we as parents practice it with them in that moment? Correct. Right. Well, and and saying that's what I mean. It gets okay. The word that keeps coming to me is it's very clunky. Yeah. At the beginning, but what it eventually becomes, like you know, stay with me for a second. It's clunky and then it just becomes normal conversation. Mm. So you're no longer teaching something when you're like, when I drive now, when I was first learning to drive, there was a million different things I had to do and think about. And I have my second daughter is in this process right now where sometimes she flips on the windshield wipers when she needs to turn. She's still learning these things, but now I can drive almost on autopilot, Mm. right? I'm just doing it. It's the way I move. It's the way I go. It's I flip this, I turn on the radio. That's what this becomes. So you're no longer then having to learn the mechanics yeah. of self-regulation. You're just practicing it. Now, do I sometimes in the car turn the wrong way or flip on the wrong thing? Yeah. Yes. I'm not a perfect driver. Sure. I get tickets. My children have watched me get tickets. Yeah. Um, and this will happen in parenting too, where you don't say the greatest thing. You don't self-regulate. 
but it becomes more natural. Mm. It's clunky at the beginning. And when people are doing it, they want this instant shift. And not only are you shifting yourself, it's shifting the dynamic. It's your child is looking at you going, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not and if you try it. these things for a week, it's not going to work. No. You got to stick with it and fall off the bike and then get back up and do it over and over again. And if you can believe in yourself that this is not just a parenting model to follow, this is an emotional well-being for your lifetime and for everybody that you come into contact with. Parenting is what wakes us up to this. Mm. The reason that Todd and I call this show Zen Parenting is because we know that people care enough about their parenting to listen to a podcast about self-awareness. Right. If you're listening to this, you're on your way. Correct. Not that... that if you're listening to a parenting podcast, it tells you like, wow, I don't have all of this figured out and right. I can use some support, which is you're already in the in this small percentage of people that are willing to do that. Because before parenting, you were probably not willing. Right. If somebody said something to you like, you're kind of harsh or you're not listening to me or I don't feel heard, you're like, whatever, it's your problem. Yeah. Parenting forces you to look at things differently because you have got to maintain these relationships. So parenting is your in, mm -hmm. but then if your children are graduating from high school or college or they're in their 20s or 30s or you're a grandparent, you know it doesn't end, mm -hmm. not just with them, but with your partner, with your friends, with coworkers from, you know, I'm watching, I, I wanted to talk about something that I'm seeing on the news um, people who are protesting mm -hmm. right now, what's happening and saying open the states and everything. And I understand that they're afraid. This is what I'm looking at the pictures and the yelling is not just you're an angry, horrible person. They are scared to death because of their history, because of what they've been taught, what they're learning, the people they're listening to. They're being told to be afraid and they're reacting from fear. It is ugly mm. because their fear is decreasing their ability to feel how people are suffering sure. and why we're doing... Their fear is overcoming. And, and people will say, but people are suffering economically. I understand. Like I hear all of this. But we have to do a first things first, which is people are dying. Mm. So if we're like, no, we have to do this first, then more people are going to die. Right. There is a procedure in place that none of us have experienced and none of us are experts at. Even the experts aren't experts. And they're claiming it. They're like, we're not sure. They're giving but us models. They're giving us expectations. They're giving us best case scenarios. And we as a society, I understand there will be a revolt. You can't, you can't. It, it, let me say this, with every light, there is resistance. Mm -hmm. With every, you know, with every light, there is a shadow. There, There is all in ourselves and in people around us. Yeah. So I, we all knew this was coming. Sure. And it's not going to be over. But can we see these people, like I just saw this picture of this woman hanging out her window, yelling at a nurse who's like standing in the street, kind of like that famous... Uh, tenement is it called tenement square mm -hmm. it's like that mm -hmm. like she's basically saying i want my freedoms yeah. and here's a nurse with a mask trying to save her life yeah and it's we'll look back on this and know you know it's similar to the pictures we look at from the 60s and the 70s where people are screaming about not segregating mm -hmm. or or they're anti wait am i saying it the wrong way 
they don't want their schools. They like it segregated. Yeah, they like it segregated. Yeah. And we see those people in the backgrounds yelling and spitting on kids going, who would do that? Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of that today. It's fear. And it's deeper than fear. It's whatever experiences they had and whatever words we want. I guess my point is, is that this is not just about parenting. This is about how we see the world. And if we can understand what's going on in ourselves, and we aren't overly judgmental and critical of our own emotional experience, we are more respectful and understanding of others. Because that woman hanging out the window, I like want to sit down and like hold her hands and say... The screaming lady. Yeah. And be like, oh my God, I totally... The fear, can't we all relate to the fear? Yeah, she's afraid. And then to say, And it's how can... easier and safer to point our finger saying, what an awful woman. Instead, can we say, this woman is afraid of something. Now, let me be clear. Those are not my first feelings about that woman. Right. Anger. This is what self-regulation is. Anger. I'm pissed. Yeah. I feel that there is a, I could spout out a bunch of words yeah. that are not kind. Yeah. But then the, if we're, if we then can look at that and realize that that's my own fear and judgment and anger, right. and then it's like, okay, now can I hold her hands? Mm-hmm. And social workers are trained to do this, yeah. you know, right? This is what any therapist, you have to be with people who are victims and you are with people who are perpetrators and you have to find compassion for all of the above. Okay. So Todd. Yes. What have I missed in this conversation? Like, because you've been really good about like, but what about this? What about this? So what have I missed? Um, I don't know. Let's listen to Ron Swanson, even though it's okay. from 10 minutes ago. Let's do it. Fresh air, no screens. I'm getting really good at chopping wood, too. <laughs> You're a regular Paul Bunyan. Ow! I got stung by the wood. Oh, no, it's a splinter. I need to get on WebMD now. I need an iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy, something with 4G. There's no time for the Edge network. What are you doing? Whoa, 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 whoa! Got it. I still think we should find a computer in Google sterilization techniques. Yeah, I have a new idea. You need to purge all of this garbage from your system. Talk about all the things you do on those screens and let the words just float away into the fresh air. And then we will be done. Okay, worth a shot. Every day, I start by hitting up Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Sometimes, I like to throw in LinkedIn. For the professional shouties. See, that was easy. Then I like to go on Reddit. Reddit's great because it has all the important links you need. Oh, and that man. goes on. He he just he talks the whole yeah, day, like to the whole us. day, just letting it out. Because basically, in that episode, Aziz, um, he what's his name on the Tom. show? Tom. Sorry, Tom. Uh, he is he gets in a car accident because he's he's tweeting. Yeah, and in like while he's in the like courtroom yeah, he's saying to oh no this car like it's so obvious that he was tweeting while driving and so he has to get rid of his phone so ron takes him to the woods and that's the process they go through. i got that you do i do okay. Honor, this was an accident plain and simple i don't want to put words in your mouth but case dismissed and you were texting at the time correct how dare you sir I was tweeting. Please read exhibit C, the transcript of your Twitter page leading up to and immediately following your crash. 9.15, four green lights in a row. Hashtag blessed. 9.17, drive faster, Blue Civic. Damn. Hashtag soccer moms. 9.18, gotta pass this lady on the edge curse. That's when I hit the fire hydrant. Sorry, allegedly. Allegedly. Hit the fire hydrant. 9.20, just hit a fire hydrant, but I survived. Hashtag unbreakable. Hashtag, what's Mr. Glass up to these days? Hashtag, why no sequel? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
That is really funny. And it's funny. so bad because that's such a serious thing. Yeah. But he's pointing out yeah. in a humorous way. He's digging his own grave. <laughs> Literally. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tom. <clears throat> Um, I don't know. I I thought that this is, you know, the topic today is no different than anything we've talked about (laughs) on the previous 543 episodes. We just continue to talk about self-awareness and mindfulness in with a different lens, I guess. Um, It's funny. I circled this like we never know what we're going to title our podcast until after we do it. But what I just maybe to bring it back to where we started, hold space for the story. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I don't Holds. think people know what that means. Well, I think for me, holding the space is when our kid does something that we don't want him or her to do or them to do, um, check in with yourself. Ask yourself, like in microseconds, well, how is this making me feel? Right. Because usually we leap over that. Right. We just react. Exactly. Fix and feel this problem. Righteous to feel react. righteous yeah. and shut that behavior down. Right. So can you just do these small little one breath? It takes about four seconds. I mean, if you're going to do a deep breath, maybe it takes you eight seconds. In an effort to try to help parents like with tools, next time your kid is doing something that's upsetting you, which is probably going to be later today if you think about it. An hour from now. An hour from now. Just take a breath. Take one conscious breath. And what that means is... Focus on the inhalation and the exhalation. That's it. You don't have to do anything other than that, other than focus on the in the sound that your body's making, breathing in, and then hold it for a second and then breathe out. And what I've been doing is meditating for 10 minutes a day for a few months. And that practice is that, you know, we talk about the grooves in the path. My 10-minute meditation puts me in a position to more likely take a breath next time my kid drives me a little nuts. We'll say it this way. It's a it's the practice so you can practice yes. in real time. Meditation is not about just, ooh, I'm so zen. You know, people who always like post pictures of themselves meditating. I love it because mm. meditation's great. But are you using what you're learning? Yeah. That's the important part. It's not, wow, I'm so zen because I meditate every day. It's do you then take what you're getting from your meditation And in the moment with your child or your partner, have a realization about like one of my favorite meditation things is uh, from John Kabat-Zinn. And I it's even though there's a lot of practices that have kind of come and gone for me, this one has stayed forever. And it is when I'm thinking about things or worrying or go projecting into the future or planning, you actually say to yourself in meditation in your head, planning, Mm -hmm. planning. Mm or worrying, Mm. worrying. And that practice, then in real time, when my daughter is telling me something, I say to myself, worrying, worrying. Like I notice how my thoughts are going in that direction. And instead of the worry, here's here's the thing that being a therapist for um, a long time has demonstrated to me, is that people tell me their story and solve their own problem in the same conversation. Meaning... Someone will say, here's what's happening with my kid, and they'll tell me all the details and why the kid is really in trouble or whatever. And then they'll say, but I just, when I see him or her doing that, I just worry it will turn out like this. Mm-hmm. And all in that conversation, they gave me all the information I need or they need. Yeah. I don't need it. Right. Basically, they're saying, I'm watching this behavior. It makes me think this is going to happen. So how do I shut this down so this future thing doesn't happen? So they're not even with their kid in the moment. 
Like it's okay to be with your kid in that moment and not worry about what it means for tomorrow. Well, the beauty of what you just said as far as just saying in your mind, worrying or afraid or whatever, is the simplicity. It's so easy. Like, can you breathe and say one word? Check in, afraid, worrying, disappointed, mad. Like, Because if you could say it in your brain, then you're at least, step one is identification. You can't do anything without identifying what it is that's going through your mind or your body. Then if you're smart enough and you can locate it, which is not something I'm particularly good at right now, locating it in my body, which is a body awareness. And then the third is the expression. How am I going to put this through my body? And then lastly, if I'm really like the PhD in emotional intelligence, what wisdom can I pull from this process that I just did that can happen in microseconds? Right. Or days. Can I like turn this um, into a conversation about our sexual nature? Sure. So people are tuning back in. Yeah. They're like, oh, you lost oh, wait, me, but sex. I'm back. Sure. <clears throat> so one of the things that Esther Perel says all the time when she's talking to women and, and men too, but I've been in some workshops with her and she directs this question to women mm-hmm. all the time. And it was, this was a couple of years ago and it was a group of like 50 of us and she made us all answer this question. She said, when you are with your partner or with someone that you are sexually interested in, what do you do to turn yourself off? And we all kind of sat there like, well, it's not our fault. Mm-hmm. They, It's them. They mm-hmm. need to do all these things so then I get turned on. Yeah. And she's like, no, no. It is your body, your mind, your ability. What are you doing to, she, and she's not blaming. Yeah. Again, don't don't hear this as she's because this this is where we get really binary and say it's either his fault or my fault. There's so many things going on. Sure. What's going on in your mind that's turning you off? Is it things like, ugh, I didn't finish the dishes. I can't do this. Or oh wait, he didn't or she, he or she didn't listen to me this morning. I'm not gonna I'm not mm. gonna be with be him. open. Yeah, be to open. This. And there's this whole mind thing going on even in our intimate relationships about maintaining our story or I need to, you know, really basic things. I, you know, well, I don't want to get too deep about this. My point is, is that that, that question, what do you do to turn yourself off is exactly the same of when we are, you know, talking with our partner or with our children. What am I telling myself right now? It's an inside job. It's curiosity of what's happening inside of me. But most of us, 99% of us, including me, spend 99% of our time looking outward and saying, how come the outside isn't fitting my insides? And I would be a better parent if you would do all the things correct, then I could be a good parent to you. And I want to be like, duh, of course, anybody could. If you have a human being in front of you Mm -hmm. who is doing all the things you want them to do based on the story in your head, then of course it's easy to be easier to be a parent. Like, uh, you know, we're watching uh, Little Fires Everywhere, the Hulu series with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. We're just part way in. But one of the things that's very apparent in Reese Witherspoon's character is she has four children and three of them, it, definitely two of them, but most likely three of them are kind of fine with her way of living. Yeah. And they're kind of like going along with the program and they are similar to their mom in that they're getting all the, they're getting everything they need from her way of living. They're falling into line. Her fourth child does not get what she needs from her mom's way of living because she lives differently, thinks differently and has different needs. She has a different identity altogether. So her mom keeps trying to force her way of living 
on this daughter saying it's working for all the other kids. Yeah. And she has lost all sense of curiosity about her own story and her youngest daughter's story. And that is a big part. That is one of the fires yeah. that is going on in this story is you can, you, it is, you know, she looks at her daughter, Izzy, and says, you make my life difficult. Mm. You are a problem. When in fact, when in fact, Reese is doing it to herself. She's doing it to herself. And then in turn, Izzy's getting the repercussions Projecting of that. all that crap because out onto her daughter. Reese Witherspoon's story, her name is uh, Elena in the movie, is that this is how people should be. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing we have to question. That's where we're not in neutral ground. We're in a deficit. Yeah. Everyone should be like me. Yeah. That's a deficit. It the neutral ground is everyone is who everyone is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so this gets super deep. Pretty deep, but important. It's the it, you know, like Todd said, it's just we're trying to say something we've been saying for 10 years in another way. And so I highly recommend uh dark uh Dr. Mark Brackett's book called Permission to Feel. Um, and also listen to the podcast with Dr. Mark Brackett and Brene Brown on her Unlocking Us podcast, you will recognize a lot of the things that Todd and I just talked about. Um, so it may, you know, it may solidify our discussion. Awesome. And a uh, quick uh, plug for the Tribe Men's Group. We have a weekly 7.30 p.m. Central uh, meetings. Uh, check out tribemensgroup.org. And then lastly, the bald-headed beauty, Jeremy Kraft. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area avidco.net 630-956-1800 Jeremy thank you for your partnership we will see you guys maybe in the Zen Talk later today or next week on ZPR have a good week adios thanks for listening everyone remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and feel free to leave a five star review on iTunes it helps people find us also subscribe and review our pop culturing podcast a gen x viewpoint on movies and tv with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness it's basically the flip side of zen parenting radio do you want more zen parenting check out our third podcast otherwise known as team zen one of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community with your 25 dollars subscription you get two live zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.